0: Alliance. Supporting all thirty-two counties through the Alliance Leagues. As well as that
1: everyone knows me from Darlene, Timor and Kenoli, what have you,
0: Valley Connell. Eh? Kieran McGinney as a player was a phenomenal player and he didn't cry and he didn't quench, you know. Jim knows where he am if he wants to chat to me like
1: Probably that's what we've read about anyway and that's what we've been told and uh, we we'll are probably not here it again the next time we get bit, you know. The Ulster Championship excites the crowd. There isn't another province that's as competitive as that. And if truth be told, I mean, what what is the point of this? i made of 23,000 down fans and it's going to be great, it's going to be brilliant, it's going to be better than, uh, than anything I've ever
0: experienced. And then of course if you're a county player going after a club match, <laughs> somewhere they <boy laughs> I've got to give you that. <laughs> This group of players means so much to me, I couldn't hold me the light after the game. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, stop. You can rest easily because the We are Roaster Alliance League's podcast is here. And more importantly, the sleeping giants are beginning to awaken from their slumber. That's right. This is the We are Roaster podcast. I'm Paul Fitzpatrick and in the absence of Damien Donoghue, I've been parachuted in as the token bias caveman. In a minute, I'll be joined by Declan Bogue to look back through another dramatic weekend of Alliance League's action There were wins for Monaghan, Donegal, Armagh, Declan's own Fermanagh and what I was referring to earlier, Cavan, the mighty Cavan slayed the Rebels down by the Lee, which if right was right should be getting a podcast all of its own. As it is, we're contractually obliged, unfortunately, to talk about the other counties in the Alliance leagues too, so to avoid this being an all-blue show, I caught up with Declan Bogue earlier on to do just that. OK, so I'm joined on the line by our regular contributor, Declan Bogue. Declan, you're on the beat again in last again, and you're you're in beautiful Castle Blaney. Are Tyrone in a bit of crisis?
1: Uh, just on that, Blaney is a special ground, isn't it? Have you been to many games there yourself, Paul?
0: I've only been to two, Declan. I was at a McCrory Cup quarter final, and then I was at the, the famous 7 hours row with Cavanagh Mullin last year. Uh, they're the only two I've ever been to. It's it's a nice ground, yeah. It is a, it's a, it is a lovely ground.
1: Oh so, Well, I was there for Ennis Young Gales versus Blaney, and think it was two thousand and one Ulster club game, uh, which was a super game of football. And I think the only other time I was there was ninety or ninety one. Uh, I was actually talking to Nudie Hughes before it. It was they were playing, if I'm not mistaken, Derry and Derry were coasting. And uh, actually, as it happens, I was brought along with, with a friend of my father, by a friend of my father, and uh, we had made the go. and we had actually left the ground, and we heard this cheer went up. Stephen McGannity had scored a goal, and uh, we said, well, should we should think nothing more of it? We'll keep ploughing up the street. And we heard another cheer, another goal went in. The next thing you know, there was about 150 people that were all s- streaming back in through the gate <laughs> to try and see the closing stages. I think it ended up a draw, that one.
0: Oh, my God.
1: But they've done an incredible. The stand is absolutely brilliant. It's, it's a nice elevated height.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, the press box is just behind that, nice and cosy, with all your current breads and your tea and coffee, and uh, extremely pleasant uh, stewards, I gotta say. Like which, this is something that somebody else was talking about when you when you take the games around the country. Uh, a lot of club people are extremely proud to have a county playing at their mm. own, and this is all new to them. And they're 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 full of the joys and it makes for a very pleasant experience all around I think.
0: Yeah, it does. Funny thing, um I was in Porky Cueve yesterday for the Cavan and Cork game and I have to say that the the stewards um in Porky Cueve were absolutely lovely as well. Even the there was a fella in the in the lift and uh we were joking on the way up he was saying, uh, your, your boys go easy on us today, boy and another Corkman <laughs> straight after the game. He didn't realise I was from Cavan, and he goes that must be the worst Cork team ever, by They can't even beat Cavan. <laughs> I, I have to say that, that he wasn't particularly nice. But um, Yeah, so Tyrone, four losses in five. Well, there's something I put up on Twitter,
1: actually, that made me think again, because I was looking at it, and uh, without being unkind, if you were to compare the Tyrone forward line at, as it is, right, with the generation that came before it, of, say you had a full forward line of Stephen O'Neill, and Peter Canavan, Owen Mulligan, and you had Brian Doher and Brian McGuigan. And then, you know, somebody else would, would have been floating around the fringes of that. Like Sean Calvin, obviously, would have been in around the forward line of times. times. Uh, you know, a Ryan Mellon, that kind of a, a figure. And you were to compare it to the present generation, maybe it's because they don't have silverware, the way that that generation uh, accumulated for themselves. But it doesn't make for good uh, comparison. And then... You look at it and it was 77 minutes of football and there was six points scored from play by Tyrone. And that's not good enough. It's just not good enough. Whether it's a systems malfunction or if it's like, you know, we an awful lot of the post-mortems about Tyrone talk about the chances missed. Uh, but that kind of comes at the very that six wides, which is nothing out of the ordinary for a county football game. I mean, you, you're talking about 15 wides. Did something in that uh, region against Kerry a couple of years ago, which was more significant um i then put that up on twitter that throne of serious problems up front six points from play over that length of time is not good enough and Aidan mccarn who you will know from his days in mother
0: yeah
1: pointed out that yes but they you know something similar was happening last year and they still hammered everybody in sight in ulster so maybe it is as simple as this Tyrone team with their ball-carrying style uh, and breaking lines are better with a dry ball. Um, maybe it is that simple.
0: Well, I was just about to make the point to you that in the last two Ulster championships, th- so in 2016, I think Tyrone were the highest scoring Ulster champions of all time, and then last year they broke their own record, if I'm not mistaken. So it- yes, yes. You know, that's only six months Oh, it's sensational. Yeah, like, that's only six mean. months ago. So that, the, the, the great forward line that you mentioned never put up the tallies that the current forward line that we're all the moment no. and did. So what does that tell us? Very Um Don't know.
1: <laughs> you come to me for this knowledge, don't you? Yeah, it tells us something and nothing at all. I mean, you can look at the opposition and look at the scoring that they did run up, OK? Against Derry, they're... they're you know, they typically reach about, you know, 122 or something like that. But they are operating in Division 3 this year. Uh, they, Fair enough, they give, they whacked on a goal and they beat Down who had been operating in Division 2. So uh, it's not like for like. You're not playing the, the, the top, top teams uh, regularly in the Ulster Championship. So maybe such comparisons can't really work in your favour. Plus two, dry ball, good days by and large, you know, in the summers, but certainly better and less slippy than it was in Casablaney. Maybe it works better. Uh, and maybe, like, there are certain things that are being tried out, like, you know, uh, as a matter of fact, like, Mickey Hart has done an awful lot of chomping and changing in his lineups this year. And this was the first night that con Gavin was back, too, to shut the door a bit more but Kavanaugh was playing a more advanced position he certainly wasn't playing the role that we've become accustomed to just in front of the full back line. he wasn't doing that an awful lot he was more advanced than that so maybe there is a little bit of learning on the job a little bit of trying out but um are they in a tight spot? By God, they are now. I mean, we weren't saying this last week, but if you've done a all coming to Healy Park next Saturday night, and they're on a bad run of farm, like, you know, they need something. And they've shown that they have the team to do something this year. And then you have a trip to Mayo, and then you've got Kerry coming in the last game of the season. They probably are not a spot of bother. It doesn't uh, you can't say they're not now. what happens this Saturday will be extremely instructive, and that will decide the fate of their season league wise um, after that, credit has to go to one, and they were sensational. like and Rourke has now reached the scenario whereby out uh, of twenty one clubs, twenty sorry twenty nine clubs, and the population is the fifth smallest in Ireland, they'll be playing division one football for the fifth consecutive year and that's, that's just amazing, that's out of this world and people, you know, talk about great managers and what they're capable of and sometimes Rourke's name doesn't really feature but what he has done with Monaghan has been nothing short of sensational
0: It has, it has the only thing I'd say to that, Declan, is um, are we not holding Tyrone to a much higher standard there than we're holding Monaghan to Like we're, we've just been saying the report Tyrone are and yet Monaghan beat them by a point or two and Monaghan were sensational
1: Yes, but a Monaghan team that left Conor McManus on the bench until 43 minutes. A Monaghan team that only brought Carl O'Connell on for the closing quarter, same as Owen Duffy. uh Dirk Malone, only got a couple of minutes at the end. Like, you know, this is a Monaghan team that we're seeing has got a lot of depth all of a sudden. And also, like, David Garland that was showing up so well in the Canna Cup, uh, he didn't get a run out. So, like, you know, Nian McManus didn't play you know, there's a real depth to that panel coming now that has to be seriously encouraging. Yeah,
0: true, true. And, and
1: yes, maybe we, do, maybe we do hold Theron to higher standards, but when you win those title two years in a row,
0: then that's to be expected too, is it not? Yeah, and plus, I suppose Theron would, would want to be held to that higher standard. Like, they always say how they want to win every game, and... You know, they're always among the the head of the, of the bed and in the All-Ireland race. You mentioned Derry earlier on, Declan. We're going to move on, I suppose, for a minute and I'll talk about Derry. Three defeats from four in, in Division 3. I know the asterisk uh, is, beside it is that they're missing the Slat-Need players, but that's pretty shoddy form for a team like Derry to be possibly looking over their shoulder at the, the trapdoor into Division 4. Yeah,
1: they've been fielding very inexperienced teams Um and the last thing Derry football needs is to go down to Division Four. I don't expect that to happen because, and we've said this before, there's no point uh, spending too much time over it. But you put uh, Brendan Rogers and the two McKeigs into a defence, and then you put Paddy Tad into Padraig Cassidy, sorry, into midfield, and they are immediately transformed. Like you know, they, they might have one or two others. I don't know if Christopher Bradley's appetite is there to play a county football game. But, like, you know, one of the McGuigans, Shane McGuigan, might come on stream. There's five players that you're looking at that's going to play county football as a third year team. And possibly Anton McMullen. Very, have been playing very, very young and inexperienced keepers. Like ben McKenna's played championship last year now, but Ben again is still, I think, he's still only a teenager uh, and he's one for the future. But maybe maybe Damien uh, McInerney might see Anton McMullen and decide that he sees something in him too, because. I think he's reluctant to play county football, Anton. But he'd be an addition to him. That all aside, um, their first half, by all accounts, was just wretched. Like you know, they took too long to get going in what they wanted to do. But then when they did get going, uh, given the gift of two extremely sloppy Fermanagh goals, they, they conceded. They certainly were in the hunt, like at the very
0: end. Yeah, it's amazing the, the contrast. I was on the way to Cork on Saturday evening. We stopped um, to catch the extra time in Neal and Nemo. Now, it was a brilliant game of football. Now, an extra time, fair enough, Nemo were well on top, but um, we had been listening on the radio and Slotnil were playing brilliantly before that. Then we, we switched over later on to the We Are Ulster commentary on uh, Derry and Fermanagh. And at one stage, it was 1-6 to, to no score in favour of Fermanagh. And I was just thinking to myself, how has it got to this point where a county like Derry... Are so far off the pace against a county like Fermanagh, and no disrespect to Fermanagh, you know, there's something, there's something malfunctioning there. And it's not just the slot players Declan, it couldn't be.
1: No, um, but you know, if you were to examine the line-outs, you know, Damien has brought along an awful lot of people who have played minors for him in the three years he was in charge, and uh, there's a little bit of team building. Uh, chemistry has to be earned. It has to be. Um, earned in stressful conditions, you know, you have to eke out games when it's not going for you, so, I mean, you know, if you look at, uh, you know, even there recently, uh, two players uh, whose names escaped me, Paul, right now, were are, are not going to be part of it, Neil Keenan, Cassie Dawson, brilliant cornerback, he's not going to be there, it's his last year in college, he wants to try a summer in, uh, America and fair play him so, like rather than carry him until the end of the league, he has said no, that's not acceptable. We we have to have everyone on board from the start, so they've reluctantly let him go, uh, and Kieran McFaul is in a, in a in a similar position. Like you know, they really are showing long term planning. I don't know if they can be criticised
0: for that. Oh, while we're on the subject, I suppose of Fremantle and Derry, a word for for your lads. Um Four wins out of four, top of the table, a huge score difference. I think it's plus 30 of a score difference. Um, this is a this is real rising tide for Ferman, isn't
1: it? Certainly looks good. Uh, certainly um, the, the signs are there. People will look at it and say, right, OK, it's all going very good on the surface. Um, I just worry sometimes there's a little bit of hot and cold with them. Like it was the same against Blackford, who have got themselves a very command lead. Uh, same against Sligo to that point like they were maybe a slow start against Sligo but they let they seem to let teams back in on them they're running up unbelievable tallies like you know I mean that has to be said uh, Seamus Quigley uh, has been a man transformed physically and it would appear his attitudes uh, attitudes come along with it he scored 1-8 there at the weekend and that's the first time that he's really I mean seen the first couple of games and he possibly wasn't firing all cylinders but like you know you got to look at his body shape now, and look at his body shape a couple of years ago, and he's playing some football and stuff like that. Knows the club, and there's no comparison. He's so much leaner, and that probably uh, says an awful lot about the kind of training they're doing from early on. Uh, but there, it, it has to be seen as all. Well. There, there's certainly an awful lot of positives. If they could only get consistency throughout games, and there would be a team worth reckoning. I I don't know if they can win the last three games too Longford, for and Armagh even though the Armagh game is at home but I think that another win might just do it for them that might get them into the second spot even if Armagh beat them Armagh look like they might go through the whole thing unbeaten uh, so it might just be enough to push them into the second spot and if they get up into Division 2 again that is an enormous achievement for them because at the end of the day this year like you know what do you target do you target to meet? To make the super 8s, the quarterfinal stages, you do, um, but you know, first and foremost, you have to be targeting promotion in the league for a team with the age profile of Fermanagh Like this is not a long-term project, and it can't really be Fermanagh because they never have enough players coming on, streaming any one time. So you know, to play in as high a league as possible has to be their first and their everything for any season. So in that respect, they're having a brilliant year.
0: And looking at Rory Gallagher, they uh, a I presume you know Rory better the most journalists in that he's a Fermanagh man even though he's probably more associated um, with Donegal now because he works there and he was involved with them for so long but he is a Fermanagh man someone once made the point to me about that a team will always bear the characteristics of its manager and someone made the point to me that sometimes the most creative gifted footballers and Rory Gallagher are certainly one of those don't make the best managers and the, the theory that this guy said to me was that it comes so easily to them as a player that they find it hard to impart that that level whereas the likes of a would say uh, people might think that he might make a better manager because he was famously a player who worked so hard on his game where I would imagine the likes of a Rory Gallagher certainly I'm sure he put in the hours on his freeze and all that but he was a naturally talented creative player And it's there's a
1: couple of things with that right I mean that's you know another good example of that <laughs> and this is my personal favourite was that Glenn Hollow was seen as naturally gifted you know uh, but the, the people who are naturally gifted would tell you the, you know, so Gary Player thing the, the more you practice the luckier you get but Hoddle one time uh, at a World Cup training camp was showing Beckham how to flight these beautiful free kicks into the top corner every time and uh, made a point then of demonstrating with a load of England players around him how easily it came to him and how, how he did it and all that did was destroy Beckham's confidence for that tournament yeah. You know, yeah. uh, and, and there are, like I mean, people like to see a big name, a, a, a respected player coming to manage. Uh, but it doesn't normally always work out. Like the Roy Keynes have had serious difficulty becoming, uh, making the transition from performer to communicator. And that's the difference, whereas uh, I think someone like a Rory uh, Gallagher was, people would say, a naturally gifted player. But anyone you ever talked to from that era that he played would tell you Rory Gallagher was the hardest trainer that they ever seen. Like, the, and that came even from his cousin Raymond, who used to drive Rory and uh, Ronan. The, the Ronan is the brother. Of course, Rory the goalkeeping coach to training, and the whole way to it from the league. Raymond's message is always: no matter how hard this is, tough nobody is dropping out. You're not allowed to drop out, and the boys were scared stiff of dropping out, and listening to Ramey going home all the way to Balik, you know, Uh, which would be a long drive now if you had someone on your case. So Rory definitely trained hard, and that's another thing that Martin McHugh would have said about him when he had him with the Slago IT, and an enormous attitude, uh, an enormous appetite for work. Another point of it is that Rory has been coaching from when he was no age. He was taking underage teams when he was still an underage player himself. When he was a minor, he was taking, the under 12 and under 14 teams. Uh, when, he, when he was playing with Sligo IT, he was the guy who McHugh used as a tactical sounding board. Uh, the first year he was at St. Gall's, Lenny Harbison said he played well, he was very diligent, he never opened his mouth. The second year, he started asking Rory questions, and Rory started giving this theory about everyone playing back and then everyone playing forward like a basketball style. And then St. Galles won the All-Iron Club final in 2010, playing that way. It was total football. Everyone was expected to be in certain positions at certain times, and anyone could come forward to kick a score. And like if you look at that All-Iron Club final that time, The only people who were kept in the full forward line was Rory Gallagher and C.J. McGordy. And this was a a full year before, well, I mean, at the end of that year, then Rory got involved in the Donegal project. And an awful lot of people would tell you that tactical work uh, in that defence came from Rory as much as it did from Jim. Uh, So in some ways you can say... I. Can a naturally talented performer become a manager? But if they have the appetite and they've had the kind of coaching, um, they've been prepared to throw themselves into coaching from a young age, then they should know what they need to know by that stage, you know?
0: Yeah, and another manager, I suppose, who's um, almost preparing himself for his lap of honour at the moment is Matty Medlene and Calvin, their own man who shipped quite a bit of criticism and I have to say he shipped a bit in our own paper in Cavan as well from your shelf too Paul wasn't it oh yes I'd have to hold my hands up I'd, I'd back the wrong <laughs> horse <deck> that <then. laughs> but uh, after the after the 21 point defeat uh, against Tyrone in the McKenna Cup um, which was a record home defeat in the, in the history of the Cavan team wow that, yeah that was a very low uh, I went through it I went through it yesterday 12 players that played against Tyrone in that game the, the worst home defeat in the history of Cavan football played yesterday away from home and Gavin ran Cork ragged and were much more comfortable than the three-point margin would suggest. What what an amazing turnaround that was. Have you heard of a turnaround like that in the space of five or six weeks?
1: Yeah, you've you got to hand it to him. Um, uh, he has confounded expectations, let's say. Um, he has done remarkably well and unexpected to do so well. And uh you know, you've, you've been watching them closer than I have. Um, but, you know, Matty's managerial talents were always sort of, uh, you know, any players that played for him were always willing to, to say how they felt he improved them. So maybe, too, there's a little bit of having played football in Division 1 and hardened themselves for a full year at that, that they know what's expected. And then in Division 2 you certainly get the room and the chance to express yourselves a bit more. So maybe they're just,
0: the revenue in that. Yeah, I think so. I I think there's a young player called Kevin O'Reilly, who you mightn't have seen yet, who has really transformed the full forward line. He was captain of the Um under-21s last year and came in, and he's done really well. And I think Darren McVitie then is the the absolute linchpin who has has turned things around. He's been man of the match for Calvin in all four games that they've played. So, um, I was looking at the Ga.ie team of the week earlier on and I was laughing because he didn't make it I don't know what he has to do to make it because he was he ran the show in, in Cork yesterday uh, we mentioned briefly Donegal as well Declan. I suppose they're calling it Gumgate now this this uh, strange decision that's happened in the Donegal Kildare game where the referee David Goff sent off uh, a Kildare man who wasn't wearing his gum shield on a second yellow card and that seems to be hogging the headlines today I know it's one of those silly season stories but it does seem a little bit extreme
1: I don't know I haven't uh, I haven't got a chance to look through it I, I wondered was he was he warned about the gum shield was he told look here you need to get a gum shield go to the sideline, get one was he just sent
0: off he, from what I read in, in the paper this morning was he uh, he was told by the referee you don't have it, your gum shield and I think he had lost it or something so he claimed he was on his way to the sideline to get a gum shield, and he shouted over to the bench, I need to get a gum shield. In the meantime, the, the goalkeeper, who didn't know what was this was going on, booted the ball in his direction. And while he was on his way to the sideline, the ball came sailing over, his head and he jumped up and caught it. And the referee booked him then. The referee says, well, I'm about to tell him to go get a gum shield. I mean, now here he is involved in play again, I'm going to book him. And he didn't realise he had booked him before, and he ended up going off. So it seemed to be a total mess all around. But... That has hogged the headlines, and I'd say probably Kildare aren't that bothered if that's hogging the headlines because it was another home defeat for Kildare, and they look to be struggling a little bit in that division.
1: You know, you can't really blame him if 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 that is the rules I've sat out and he was the book a, uh, a player, then you cannot. You you have to referee to the letter of the game. Like I mean, it's not. It's this is not free thinking a free association a referee by your own mood you have to do what's there in the rule book um, I do have sympathy for him because by God like you know you play with a shoe in your mouth it's, it's, if you're not used to it uh, it's it is an unbelievably uncomfortable kind of thing to do, especially someone like me that goes and buys gumshield for one ninety nine, in the shop is one of those <laughs> boil and bite jobs uh, that are meant to mould around your mouth. Which they're just—it's it's. having said that, you know, there was a number of people on Twitter last night that like Sean Cavan says having lo- lost teeth through football, gumshields are essential. Uh, this rule has been about for a number of years now. And uh, county players will all be given, I would imagine, uh, no end of amount of, of uh, high class, comfortable gum shields. So he's got no real, he, he's got no comeback. But I mean, you know, you see games all the time, you see players without a gum shield at the moment. Um, Adam Footballers had a very good
0: away win against London, who London had picked up three points in their opening three games, which was better than they had managed in the previous ten years. Um, the best total they had, they had managed in the previous 10 years was four points in the league twice. But the, both those years were skewed because Kilkenny were in the division and everyone beat them. So they've already, um, for all intents and purposes, they were, after three games, London had already beaten their record for seven games over the past decade. So it was always going to be tricky for Antrim. They went over and got a four-point win. Uh Reading Damien's piece on We Are Ulster last week he argued that the current Division 4 is one of the strongest Division 4 renewals ever because you've got Leash who never usually would dip that low and uh, you've also got a Resurgent Carlo and London of course Resurgent as well. In London who are able to play
1: all their, their games at home this year and would have been targeting having a big season for that reason.
0: Yeah exactly. So do you think Antrim can escape that division? The funny thing is Leash Carlo and Antrim have yet to meet each other. So that's going kind to of decide it. But do you think Antrim can get up this year?
1: I think they should. I can't see a reason why they wouldn't. Uh, carlo are extremely well organised. They're probably they're more high profile than most. Leash, you'd expect a county like Leash. to have got out. So I'd say the remaining uh, promotion place will be between Antrim and Carlo. And where do Antrim and Carlow meet? I think it's in Belfast.
0: I'm not that sure off the top of my head now yeah but that that will probably be the fr- promotion decider you're closer to Belfast than I am uh, Declan what's the, the mood like up there Do you, is there a bit of a rising tide in Antrim as well
1: hopeful but they're, they're, they're playing it uh, they're playing very low you know I mean they've got a good uh, they've got a good background team good management uh, good buy in from the players there. they could possibly have done with another couple of guys uh, putting the hand up for county football this year they always caught Antrim um, but like, you know, they shouldn't have been relegated from Division 3 last year. And they are a better outfit than what they have been shown. Like, you know, I couldn't see why Antrim Thuppers wouldn't be a permanent fixture in Division 3 with the odd spin in Division 2. But they're certainly not a Division 4 team with the resources they have, with the players they have. The club seems quite healthy in that country. Kind of um And there are a number of good leaders too. And in that group, Kevin DeBarre coming back has added an awful lot to them. Uh, it's fresh, you know, there's uh, an awful lot of good football men then doing their best. And I suppose we've talked about Antrim as a county in general uh, with a rising tide and um, they're getting things right on and off the pitch and doing their best. Um, so I couldn't, yeah, I, I'd be hopeful for them over the next year or two that they're going to build something here.
0: Armagh uh, won again, uh, a comfortable win for Armagh And as you mentioned earlier on, they're probably going to win other games in that division. Unlucky not to come out of it last year, so we won't spend too much time on them. But I suppose the last county that we that we haven't covered yet is Down. And just when it looked like t- things were going a bit better for Down, they went and lost at home to Clare, kicked fifteen wides in the process. They're very, they're very much struggling for consistency, aren't they?
1: Yeah, they are. That's that's the one thing that's. Might be seen to be holding them back, but uh, you know, how do you see them? And the, how do you see them finishing up this year? That's the question you have got to ask.
0: Yeah, well, they've got Cavan in Cavan uh, this Saturday night. Now, King, Kingsman and Breffni is definitely not a fortress. Um, but you would have to say the Cavan on Corn Farm are, are probably the farm team in the division and should be winning that. And if Darren lose that, that's going to be a big blow to them.
1: Yeah, that's. I'm wondering is the lack of experience with Mark Poland and Aidan Carr retiring might that be slightly harming them? Uh, you know the the form they showed. The, by God, like I mean, you know, talk about schizophrenic results. Like you know, they're up one day, down the next day, and you don't really know the reasons for it. Like I haven't had a chance to see them yet this year, so I couldn't. Uh, I can only just read between the lines, um, but certainly. Uh, the Caner Harrison suspension too would have harmed them too, of course. Uh, but the, you know, building consistency is the trickiest thing. And Division Two is kind of unforgiving too. Uh, it is kind of even this year, very even, um, But you wouldn't have expected them to, to to have got the result that they got against Clare.
0: No, no, I de- definitely didn't see that. Definitely didn't see that coming. But Claire haven't seen Clare the first round of the league against Calvin, I thought they were weak. I thought they were they were. Fairly weak now, to be fair, but um, they've turned things around well since that. They lost by fourteen points to meet after that, and since that now they've after to pick up a good draw against Tip and a way win against Darren. So they're, they're an outside, they're an outside bet to get in the shake up for promotion. Last thing I'm going to ask you, Duncan, you didn't have the pleasure of covering Congress this year.
1: No, I didn't. Um, I'm probably a bit lazy in that, but um, I've only covered three Congress we're we going to call them Congress. <laughs> yeah, Sligo in 2008, um, Derry in 2014, I think it was, in maybe Croke Park about 2015. Um, very instructive for any GA person to go on to Congress and witness it and see how it works. It, it is fascinating the politics it's played. It's like any association, like, you know, there's a good bit of horse trading at the bar. Uh, on the Friday night, like you know, people looking to get delegates to vote in a certain way. The only real bit of interest that you could take out of it, well, two things: uh, the ban of sponsorship on jerseys is absolutely fantastic move. Uh, fully back that because that is a scourge. Um, the amount of encouragement to bet nowadays, and the means that you can do, and the ease of access to do that, is harming. Young people, and uh, I think if the GA just politely say that's fine. Look at Grand, you do your thing, and we'll, uh, you know, we we'll look after our own young players. And they've done that with this, and that's brilliant. The other point of it was the motion that came from what St Mary's and Rosler and, and Wexford about transparency for Congress. Uh, you know, the, the CPA, the Club Players Association, would hold that. You know, any of the arguments advanced against it weren't rooted in reality. You often see somebody wanting to speak on a motion on an unpopular motion and they'll go all guns blazing because they think this in some ways in Curry's favour with the top brass and that happened last year and happened a wee bit again this year. Uh, The CPA won't be discouraged with that. They just wanted to see was the GA willing to embrace transparency in in its most extreme form. But the, my issue with that would be if you did vote it in, right, and every delegate's count was to be, or vote was to be counted and recorded, you kind of then get into a situation where, you're wondering, well, what would be the point for Congress? Like, you know, if, yeah. say you go along your club meeting and you have all the motions in front of you and you debate all of them and you say what way that your county you're going to uh, vote on that, and then that all that information is collated at county board level. Now this is a, a a zero-sum, and this was taking it to its absolute extreme. But if you were to take all the club votes and then put it at the county board meeting and tot it up and say, right, OK, motion one, we're voting this way and motion two, and so on, then there would be no need for Congress itself. to would be a a lot of money saved. There'd be a lot of chicken dinner saved. <laughs> uh, but it'd only be a matter of employees in Cook Park totting up what each county wish to vote and then passing the motions off them themselves. And uh, uh, you
0: know, what they say about turkeys voting for Christmas? Yeah, yeah. I, I I've only been to one congress. It was the year that I've that, uh, been to two. Sorry, the year that Aegon O'Farrell was was elected in Crow Park, and um, the following year, or maybe it was the previous year in Ballyconnell. I think It was the following year actually. And it's like yourself. That's I was, right. I was struck by the the politicking of it and the the um, just the whole machinations of it. It was very like like an Irish or something like that at a, at a political for a political party but you know know, and i
1: bet you've seen a lot of people nodding off and stuff like that too in the middle of it like you know i mean it's hard work it's hard work following it never let alone being in the middle of it and wanting to debate a certain issue and you get a certain amount of time to speak on it and there's certain things that happen in congress that you just you just cannot believe them and I remember once being at a, a county convention. The county will not be named, uh, but one speaker spoke against uh, grants coming in for the GPA for players, and he was vehemently opposed to it. He was unbelievably against Dougie Farrell, he spoke about the GPA in, uh, in scaling tones. And then a month later, he was sitting in front of me at Congress, and when the hands went up, who all votes in favour of these grants, his hand shot up.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So, you know, that's <laughs> instructive. That's instructive that shows you what I talked about earlier, the horse trading uh, uh, contained within those walls. Yeah, and
0: uh, Liam Griffin, going by the reports I read in the press, uh, Liam Griffin got quite agitated. It sounded like... Um the Europe delegate, Tony Bass, and the Cork chairperson, I think it was Tracy Kennedy, um, spoke quite strongly against it, and it was referred to as a Trojan horse. And it sounded like Liam Griffin got very riled by that. Um, like figure
1: well, I mean, you know, what is that? I mean, you know, that's, that's very easy. And I know that the CPA leadership were very vexed at the kind of language they use. I mean, they're called a nutty group. I mean, where does that fit in with the, the, the association that makes such efforts? Talk about mental health and stuff like that. And issues that affect us in these times, and someone in Congress can label like a group that are, you know, they are representative of club players' wishes if they are guided by club players, and they're labelled a nutty group, and uh, and this is what really gets them is there was no correction from the top table, there was no hold on here. This kind of language is not helpful. It was just let uh, and left unchecked. I find that astonishing. Um, and again. Like, was it part of a wider bit of politics and that someone might hope for a, a job down the line? I don't know. I'm only, uh, I'm only floating that idea. But um, certainly, you know, the type of language that's been employed sometimes in Congress, it just it, it doesn't sit well. It just wouldn't sit well.
0: I didn't know that, Now, but if that's the case, that sounds a bit much. The, the, the issue I would have with the, with the CPA, and... I, you know, I think it's it's a very well-meaning group. And that's one thing. Like, you can't disparage a group who are clearly... Their heart is certainly in the right place. To call them a nutty group, I think that is not fair. But I, I think that it's a technical thing, but their system they have for people signing up to join it, um, it it's almost like an online petition. And mm-hmm. you get these influential yeah. tastemakers on Twitter who will share this um, and to encourage people to join it, and it takes two seconds. And, you know, it's not really you're not really invested in something if it only takes you one minute to join and then you never have to worry about it again. But you're you're adding to the mass of membership and it sounds like a huge figure of membership, but how many of them are actually active or actually thought about it for more than two, the two minutes it took to fill out that online form? That's what I wonder about.
1: It's a bit like the boiled frog syndrome. I think that if you call a meeting in Port Lease, Summer central and say, right, this is a club players meeting, let's all get there. Let's have our first annual meeting. Everybody in the room, Thousands and thousands of members. that's us say a man who can get in the room. You might be disappointed. Uh, I mean, now you can only talk about someone who, like, say for example, was a training on Friday night there for the local club, right? And I've never heard a discussion in the dressing room about the CPA, nor have I, for that matter. People would have you believe that you know their club people are really upset and in tears about say the Sky deal. Like I mean, that's not the sort of thing that young men talk about. Um, but if they were provided with a better Fixture list and a calendar where they could plan out their year, they'd be absolutely delighted. There can be no doubt about that. But I don't know if if they're if it's in the top of their list of priorities. Either when they come in after day's work and they're want they're getting kind of excited about an in-house game, or they're a wee bit dejected about all the run ahead of them. You know
0: who who were the young men you're talking about? Were you including yourself in that bracket?
1: Certainly not. <laughs> On that
0: note, then. We'll we'll wrap it up. Thanks again for for your time and your and your wisdom and your expertise. And we'll catch up with you again next week. Thank you, Paul. Alliance supporting all thirty-two counties through the Alliance Leagues.